Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name's Ellie Nunn, and... Oh, hang on. I think you've got something oh, on what? your shirt. Oh, ah! oh, Ellie. Oh, I hate when you do that. Ellie, it's not funny. No one likes it. It's so stupid. It's my co-host, James Evans. I'm so stupid. Yeah, keep keep walking. <laughs> keep walking. That famous insult. Keep walking. <laughs> the worst thing you can say to anyone. <laughs> what did you say to me? What? How dare you? What did you say? <laughs> Peace. Oh, we haven't done that in so long. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Oh, we haven't seen each other in so long. I kind of I like this leisurely two week schedule that we're on, but absence makes. The <laughs> I'm not heart sure that our listeners would <laughs> no. would agree. <laughs> they can see through and they can smell the laziness coming off of us. It, uh, what can we say? We're international. But can't you tell, guys? We've been on different time differences. Yeah, we're here, there, and everywhere. Isn't it better when we're full to the brim with new stories? We want to keep the quality as good as it was. Exactly. It's gotten worse, but you know, that's by the by. It's terrible. This is what happens when you start a podcast during COVID where you have endless time <laughs> to watch Real Housewives and then suddenly <laughs> you don't. I really miss it. I had my fingers in so many pies during the pandemic. I was such a renaissance man and now I'm just half arsing everything, spreading myself thin. I don't know about you, but it's really impacted my social body clock in terms of it's weird, post the lockdowns, mm. I was so desperate to go out and I did lots of stuff and saw lots of people. And it's a weird delay where now it's like a year on and I stay in every night and the idea of going out or doing anything just feels so exhausting. Mm-hmm. Especially, and it's weird because I'm living on my own now and I would have thought that I would want to see people all the time. But it's the opposite. I'm just very, very happy to sit in and watch Love is Blind. And I feel like I've... I arrived in LA and on the first night, and I know I was jet lagged, but I met up with my friend for dinner. And while I was waiting for Mm. him, these two girls in this restaurant were reunited. And one of them was talking so animatedly with such high energy about her life. And I was literally watching her thinking, I can't remember the last time I had that much like energy to talk about anything. I was exhausted listening to her. The social musculature that that requires is... I've just lost it. Dreams. Yeah. I, I used agree. to I used to love telling stories and I find myself nowadays going to tell a story and then being like, no, oh, it wasn't that it wasn't that interesting. I can't be bothered to tell it. <laughs> we're self-editing. What's yeah. happened? I know, I know. It's also we're in our thirties now, it's a different time. We didn't have that those final years of our twenties to go balls to the walls. I saw a really depressing meme that said no one tells you that one day you feel a bit sleepy. And then that's just it for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) This is the other thing. I've swapped my interesting, funny stories for like 
I slept really badly last night. And now I'm going to tell you this story from beginning yeah. to middle to end in intricate <laughs> detail. And the voice in my head is like, this is a boring story. Just cut your losses and quit while you're ahead. But I'll say it through to the end. I thought it was the pillows. Gave the pillows a try. No. Something What's I it? ate. They ate too close to bed. Oh, nightmare. <laughs> I could go on. Cheese. <laughs> you could, I know. <laughs> I'll go through the list. I have a list of things. Um, how are you? How was LA? LA was good. LA was uh, obviously nowhere near as good as with you. With but you've no one to blame but yourself for bailing do, yeah. on the trip. So no, I'm a flake. That's, you can you can sit in that. <laughs> yeah, kind of flaky. I, I'm um, sitting in the shop. <laughs> I, uh, it was really good. It was full of some bumps and scrapes, though. I had some very me moments. I arrived at the airport and I got a car to a car, a taxi. No, as they I was going to say, la la. <laughs> <laughs> All right, upgraded. I got a car oh, yeah. <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to my Airbnb, to my palace, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> to my room, and uh, I got so travel sick, and it was so bad, especially every time with the kind of grid blocks thing that they Mm. have to... It's very speed bumpy in the residential areas of LA and everyone has electric cars. And then every time that there's like a crossing, they have to stop really abruptly to look each way. So it's just this one endless thing of being like... (laughs) (laughs) And it hit a point right at the end where it's like the last 30 seconds, I suddenly was like, oh, I am going to be sick. And then he he was parking up and I kept being like, oh, it's fine. I can just jump out the car. And he was like, it's okay. I'll like, I'll reverse in and stuff. So I was like scrambling to get out. And literally was like, bye. Thank you so much. And then just turned around and threw up in a dumpster. No. Oh, no. <laughs> and oh. then 10 seconds later, my Airbnb person came out. And I was like, hi. Oh, hey. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> so quick, the whole thing. So that was my arrival. And then on my first night, I arrived. I, I walked back into the Airbnb and... Obviously, I didn't know my surroundings very well. And the house had like a wooden post Mm. in the dark, right just through the door. (laughs) And I fell over it. What a stupid place to put a post. It was so weird. And there was no reason for it. It's like there was no purpose to this post. Yeah. Except to like chip my shin. And literally, I I got in and turned the light on and my shin had just gone like black and had like a massive bump on it. It was like like a proper injury. So that was bad. And then I nearly drowned. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) I can't wait to hear this story. I know it's going to be a good one. And if not, make it up. Put some comedy in there. I know you have it in you. (laughs) So basically, I decided, oh, yeah, I forgot to say, I also got the most horrendous sunburn on my first day. Yeah. So even though I wasn't there, the spirit of my bad travel energy was very present. It was very you, exactly. So I was already sort of licking my wounds because I had this really Mm -hmm. painful sunburn from hiking Runyon Canyon. That was the other thing is, you know, when you and I went, we kept doing like very leisurely hikes where it was basically just walking up a road. As you should, yeah. Did you run up them? This time, no, Tyron and I hiked Runyon Canyon properly where you're like climbing rocks. Oh my God. And then we also did the the hike up to Griffith Observatory. Yeah. Jesus. Which was also like, they they were really intense. And the Griffith Observatory one is weird because you get to the top and obviously you can go to Griffith Observatory just like in a taxi as well or whatever. So you get to the top and you're like knackered and sweaty and there's just like hundreds of people with like buggies and just tourists. And it 
feels a bit like you've just like come out through like the wardrobe from Narnia or something. Where everyone's a bit like, oh, where did where have you been? <laughs> like, how did you all get up here? <laughs> anyway, for some reason on this very active holiday, I decided that what I needed more than anything in the world was a surfing lesson. Oh my god! Because I'm just I'm fun like that. Oh Ellie. I'm just a crazy little solo traveler adventurer. So just free spirit. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So I booked a surfing lesson. It was on Venice Beach and I turned up early in the morning and already on the way there, I was voice noting my friend in LA sort of saying, why did I think this was a good idea? And it was like, it wasn't a very nice day. And it was really early in the morning and... I met the kind of surf school. I decided to book a group class instead of one-on-one because I thought a a one-on-one class might be like a bit intense socially Mm -hmm. to have to make conversation with an instructor. And in my head, I was like, I can just hide at the back of a group class. So it was, the instructor still had braces. (laughs) He was like 18. And there were five of us in the class. And... The instructor wasn't the best communicator in terms of the bit that where normally you do you do like half the lesson on the on the beach and then you get in the water. The bit on the beach was like very fast, and in a way I appreciated it because I've done quite a lot of bodyboarding and I always find the bit on the beach quite boring. But as we got in the water, I was aware that I was like I feel vastly underqualified to know what I'm doing in this mm. situation. But it's quite know, the shift, isn't fine. it, from land to sea. It's quite a big leap into the unknown, you, isn't it? I thought you were going to say like, from bodyboard to standing, which is also quite the shift. Well, that, that too. Turns yeah. out it's not the same. So basically, when I arrived at the class, the instructors were saying, oh, it's quite strong out there today. Okay. And then the guy did say to me as we were walking out, he was like, oh, it's quite strong out there, but it should be fine. Just like it will be quite a workout when we're heading out each time. Uh, so I was already in a bit of a sulk thinking, oh man, this is going to be like a proper workout and I'm feeling really lazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm used to, I'm used to the Cornish seas, James. So I'm used to quite a rough sort of swell. Oh yeah, they can't be tamed. Yeah. And it looked tiny on Venice Beach to the point where I was like, surely this is going to be quite hard to surf. And I was very, very wrong. As you go out, it goes very deep very quickly. And the waves were so strong that he was right that like getting out is the hard thing. Partly because obviously a surfboard compared to a bodyboard is much bigger and it's very difficult to... The thing of trying to get it to go like over the wave, when the waves are that big, it kind of just pummels the surfboard backwards and you're attached Mm. to the surfboard by your foot. But it was okay. Getting out there the first time was actually fine. And we were out there for about 40 minutes and the way it would work, we'd take it in turns for him to hold our board and then he'd pick a good wave and send us off with it and then we'd try and stand up, which no surprise I was not doing successfully. But I was was really enjoying Mm. it. And then this one time he was holding my board and I heard him suddenly sound quite panicked and tell me to hold on. And he had said to us, if there's a really big wave, try and just hold on to the board and let it go over you. So I held on to the board and I tensed up. And I can honestly only describe it. It was like the board might as well have been like kindling. It felt like being hit by a car. Oh my God. I do want to say at this point that like, I am not prone to exaggeration on things because I'm so used to trying to tell things as funny stories. I think it's one of the most scared I've ever been where because it was such a strong wave, the board flew off, but obviously because it was attached to my foot, 
it then took me right to the bottom of the oh, seabed. And I was rolling around and I completely lost any sense of which way up was. But I was really good at just staying calm and, and kind of going limp because <laughs> not like playing dead, but like not panicking. <laughs> and anyway, I started trying to get up to the surface and the waves so big that the surface was about two metres higher than I was expecting it to be. So I just could not find the top. And it was terrifying. It was the stuff of nightmares where like you keep thinking you're at the top and there's just like more water. And then when I finally broke the surface, I just got hit by another one immediately. And then another one. And I got stuck in what they call a set where the waves just like keep... Ah. If you get stuck in a set, it just keeps taking the board and you don't have time to get the board back. Had you lost um, the instructor at this point? As far as you were concerned, you were just floating around d- d- by yourself. I'd, I'd lost everything, yeah. but also everyone had got stuck in them. So it wasn't just me. Okay. It was like one of the other people in my group had really injured his foot when the board went from underneath him. And basically in the end, everyone just got out of the water and like all the surfers and everyone out that day and, and the swell had just completely changed and this really strong oh my God. Um, tide had come in and... And our instructor at the end of all of this, like one one person in the group was like nearly in tears because he couldn't walk, was just like, um, okay, so should we walk down the beach and find somewhere down there? And I was like, <laughs> uh, no, I'm going home. I was like, I fundamentally do not feel safe with you, child. Um, so I kind of wandered off and I was a bit shell-shocked afterwards. I kind of took my wetsuit off and it was one of those weird things where they didn't have towels or anything. So I just like got into my clothes on top. And also because I'd been rolling around on the seabed, I had sand in every orifice of my body and my hair like I was covered in it and yeah it was only as I was walking to find like a cup of coffee or something I suddenly was like wow that was quite traumatic (laughs) Ellie I was holding my breath that whole time I was envisioning you living your best I know Luan on vacation life I know I know okay girls let's hit the sea (laughs) did I ever tell you about the time I Nearly drowned. Oh, of course you have to do. You have to. What a no, move! No. What a Lu- what, what a Luan no, move! No, 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 <laughs> no, go on, carry on. I nearly drowned. <laughs> no, no, that was it. Please tell me about when you nearly drowned. Well, I was at Disney World, and I was on one of my trash holidays to famously quite a hard place to <laughs> nearly drown. Famously, a man-made place. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I was in. One of the water parks, and I was in the big swimming pool, and it has the wave machines. Yeah. And, you know, much like you in the Cornish Sea, I've been in a my fair share of wave machines, <laughs> pools. I, you know, it's not my first rodeo. So I got in, and there's a big, you know, like one of those lines that goes all the way, like those floating lines near the end, like the deep end, that you can like... Yeah. That denotes yeah. don't swim past this point, or like very advanced swimmers. And I was like, well... Yeah. You know, I took my Saturday swimming classes as a child. I think I can go past the line. So I swam up to it and I held on to it. And I was like, when the waves come, I'll just bob up and down on the surface and hold on to this little bit of rope. That'll be fine. This wave comes. It was a tidal wave. And immediately, much the same as you, I'm A over T. I hit the bottom of the pool and I don't know where the top and bottom is. So I'm completely disorientated, managed to go and then emerge, crest the wave. And I'm like, I need to swim back to the shore right now. And these waves come every 30 seconds. And I'm telling you now, if another wave hits me, I'm going to die. It was like fight or flight. I've never, I was like, my life was flashing before my eyes. And I was so tired and exhausted from that whole thing the only stroke i could do was backstroke so i just had to 
like an old lady go <gasps> quickly do a backstroke and there's just like five-year-old kids with their water wings on around me being like ah and i was like <gasps> and i was like it's coming it's coming it's coming and then by the time the way the second wave comes i'm by the shallow bit and it just slowly pushes me onto the beach and I'm just lying there like a corpse a big swollen sunburnt corpse going (laughs) never again and to this day I can't walk past a man-made wave pool without shuddering I wish you'd been with me because I would love to have seen someone I knew their reaction to judge my reaction from it because I was quite calm about the whole thing and I couldn't work out whether it's the kind of thing where it's like, if we'd been there together, whether you'd be like, that was the most traumatic thing that's ever happened. Or whether you'd have been like, oh, that was a bit. You would have been Heather Dubrow and I would have been Vicky getting airlifted from <laughs> <laughs> to the, the hospital. Neck with the neck brace. Uh, oh, oh, hello. Oh, oh I can't. Oh. Um. <laughs> Uh, anyway. So that was LA. I had a wonderful <clears throat> time. My sunburn means that I still have really weird tan nights. So I then went to Barcelona and I then went to France. And yes, my tan lines are still awful. I just haven't been able to even them out. And I love um, a good tan line. So my partner loves a vest, loves like a... Mm. a wife beater and mm. so he has the most British tan lines it's quite sexy though isn't it in a way I don't no? think okay. tan lines <laughs> are ever sexy <laughs> mm, to each their own um, yeah alright we're at 15 minutes now a good 15 minutes so I we know. should probably I know. dive into what are we doing today Orange County Island trip we are aren't we because we didn't really announce at the end of last episode top of the morning to the morning. Morning. very exciting we're we'll a kicking time <laughs> yeah so here we are. So a bit of context for season 11. Vicky's been thoroughly vanquished, it's fair to say, by the rest of the cast after Cancergate. She's really at her lowest ebb, isn't she? She's brooksless. She's alone. Her love tank is empty. As you said last week, there's these sad scenes where she's kind of just filming in her house by herself. Something normal people do all the time. It's not a big deal. But for her, this is like the worst thing ever. Yeah. But then but then we've had the sand dune thing. And yeah. Oh, I was getting there. I was taking us lucky... on a leisurely... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like 15 minutes, James. Come on. Oh speed it God. up. Yeah, Get sorry. us talk. Pick up the pace. <laughs> Bring us home. Yes. <laughs> What I was going to say is she's forced to play nice and we encounter a very subdued, soft-spoken Vicky where she's like hanging out with Tamara on the beach being like, I I just want my friends back. Uh." And it kind of looks like it's working until the entrance of Kelly Dodd. And it's a catch-22 for Vicky because she really needs the new housewife as an ally and as a key to getting back in with the cast's good graces. But unluckily for Vicky, this new housewife on whom she's betting everything happens to be a loud-mouthed, boorish (laughs) oaf with a severe anger management issue, calling everyone to see you next Tuesday at the slightest trigger and uh, she's constantly putting her foot in her mouth and hitting below the belt. And she's immediately despised by the rest of the cast, even more so than Vicky. And I think what is fascinating about Kelly is that she does really have this magnetic pull where you can't just ignore her or isolate her. And she kind of thrives off of negative attention, but she's like a curse that won't leave you and you will be pulled down to her level and it it will be unpleasant. It really is that adage of like, don't roll around with with a pig in shit because... The pig, you both get dirty and the pig likes it. 
And consequently, what we get with season 11, it's a very strong airtight season which really manages to build on the momentum of Cancergate, but it's very distinct in its tone in that unlike last year, where there's a clear divide between heroes and villains, I would say here, it's very chaotic and dynamic where everyone in the cast takes a turn at one point or another at being the villain. Yes, yes. Also, like you were saying about Kelly, I undeniably, she is all of the things that you've said and kind of loathsome and just sink so low but I do kind of like her even though I don't like her in the moments that she does those things but I every time she does her turnaround of going I'm so sorry I absolutely didn't mean that I just got angry at the moment I, I really well, she's like, like like no I'm sorry no I didn't mean that no no you're a pig no I'm sorry no I didn't mean that I, oh, I think what I like mouth. about it is that when she does that she there's something more genuine it's not like Ramona's apologizer of putting on this whole uh, there's not like a whole act on top I really kind of believe that she has sort of rage blackouts and then yeah <laughs> it's like Oops. She kind of has that early Brandy Glanville thing going as well, where she is obnoxious and foul-mouthed yeah. and has no filter. And it's kind of, it's okay for you to say that and be like, God, this woman's really unpleasant. But as soon as the majority of the cast say it, you just feel sorry for her and sort of rally around her. Yeah. And then there are definitely moments where she loses my sympathy, but I'm really excited to get into Ireland because it's undeniably, like you're saying, that very chaotic, It's there's a very unclear, you can tell that the women felt secure that Kelly would come out the villain mm -hmm. from that trip. And actually, you watch it back and it's a really grey area and everyone's kind of right. And Kelly is baited and prodded and there are huge overreactions to things she says, but then she'll sink down to a level where then she gives them exactly what right. they're looking for. So then you kind of lose her sympathy again. And it's just, it's so fascinating. The stakes are also really high for Vicky as well, because... As you were saying, she starts at such a real nadir where she's so isolated from the car. She's forced to hang out with Gina Keogh, which is a fate worse than death. And then she manages slowly but surely to claw her way back into good graces. They all bond over this June accident. And then Vicky sort of mm -hmm. finds herself at a bit of a fork in the road going into Ireland, where if everything goes accordingly to plan... She's sort of won them all over. It's just Shannon yeah. who's like holding out right now. This, so the stakes are high. As long as everyone plays nicely, then what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Well, which is why it's interesting that when you pick it apart, it's Vicky who fucks it all up. So yeah. kind of at every turn. And so it isn't that just so classic of Vicky that it's like she has this opportunity really to have them all because also they're all kind of fine with Kelly. And it's very much Vicky who introduces the fight that unravels the whole thing and then who perpetuates the problem with that mm -hmm. last evening. And so Vicky kind of makes her own bed because she causes a problem that forces her to choose between Kelly and the others and ends up losing everyone. <laughs> it is incredible for someone so with... It's, like, the... it's an amazing peripatetic kind of fall from grace. Completely. For someone with the tenure that Vicky has, she is actually, a, she has zero social strategy. She's actually terrible at playing the game. P particularly on this one. It's like a real dud move. Yeah. So Vicky goes into the trip in this, like you say, this strong position of she's sort of won everyone over except for Shannon, but even Shannon's on civil, polite terms. Mm -hmm. She's also got slightly her guard down because... Shannon loves being fun Shannon and she loves a bit and she yes. loves a costume and Ireland is catered it's like tailor-made to everything that Shannon loves yeah it's a funny quality with Shannon I find that with the others I often find their drama side mm. very performative mm -hmm. 
I find Tamara's anger or upset very performative often and same with Vicky. And what's interesting with Shannon is that whenever Shannon gets upset or goes off the handle, I totally buy it as utterly yeah. genuine and it's her sensitivity and it's actually fun Shannon that I find very performative that is such a good point yes like her whole thing of let's just like pick a wacky costume to run through with I, it's funny it just doesn't feel like it fits her personality quite I think that's the key but what is Shannon's personality is her tragedy is this insistence that she is fun mm. and constantly being undermined Going back and rewatching Shannon's first season, it's like a completely different person because she is just so, she throws herself onto her own funeral pyre of like, David hasn't touched me for nine months. You know, that she's so small and withered and she's just a shell. And I think that's so weird because I know Shannon as being fun Shannon, but I've never actually seen fun Shannon. What I have seen is like, no, Shannon is fun. She is fun. She's having fun. Fun right now. Top of the morning. Yeah, top of the morning. Yeah. So much fun. Get Which I get. Like, that is her state. She's never <laughs> actually having fun. It's just this like white knuckled insistence, like one eye half closed of like, this is fun, fun, fun. Right? But so they all arrive in Ireland and it, it's got a pretty positive start and they do a sort of pub crawl it's, to start themselves off. Yeah. What? It's just funny. They keep like bigging it up as like a big pub crawl, but it's like 11 a.m. on a Tuesday in like a Weatherspoon somewhere. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> Irish, but it feels very similar to like any high street in the UK as well, where I'm like, oh, I feel like I know this place. This is next door to like a Franco Manco or something. <laughs> It just feels very subdued in its own way. But Vicky's treating it like Andalays. Well, exactly. And Vicky is is very much keying into her her way to bond with Tamara in particular is to get into a whoop it up mode. She's in like her highest form right now. And it's so true what you said last time. Her getting into Tamara's good graces, relying wholly and exclusively on tequila is on full display here. She's like mm-hmm. feeding Tamara shot after shot of tequila like it's a form of water torture. And yeah. she does it in a really creepy way where she's very excitedly but furtively cheering her on. Where she's like, drink it, drink, drink it, Tamara, Tamara, all the way, yes, okay, I, I, I love you so much, oh my god, we're ripping it up over here, okay, have another one, yeah, just, just toss it back, and then I'm like, I love you, Tamara, one, one, one more, Tamara, one more. <laughs> it's so creepy. She has these, like, Ramona-esque twitches where, like, she'll sip something and be like, <laughs> Stop doing that voice, because I can't remember who it's reminding me of, and it's really making me laugh. <laughs> Oh my god, it's Margaret. Oh god, fuck, it is Margaret. Yeah, yeah. Go in, here's it. Yeah. Oh my god, so Tamara. Okay, get Tamara. Another shot, another oh shot. Tamara, we're going to whip it up. Anyway, yes. And Vicky makes this rookie mistake of using something with Kelly to get closer to the other women. So. Kelly's going around pretending people have stuff on the top and then flicking them on the nose. And Vicky has this a complete overreaction of being like, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. No, I don't like that. I, I, I don't like that, Kelly. No. And Vicky's really hard to do an impression of. She has this like nasal quality. She has like a stuffed nose. 
I know I like really overdid it last week, but she has like a Midwestern twang as well. She's like, stop, terror, terror, stop. That's ver- see, now you that know. was very good. Thank you. See, see, now that was very good, Joe. So yes, and Kelly is like, nobody likes it. You're not supposed to like it or whatever. And Tamara, in just the most performative, you know, <sighs> oh, this is, she says she doesn't like it. Like, she, she won't stop. And it starts blowing it into a drama. We're talking about flicking someone's nose. Right. And right. Tamara then goes to go to the loo and Kelly goes, keep walking. Keep walking. <laughs> keep walking. What? And Tamara's just like, yes! What? Yes. What'd you say to me? <laughs> what you say? Keep walking? I'm the only one here. You say keep walking? <laughs> so intense. Who, me? Yeah, you. Kelly. And Kelly takes it. And that's the thing is that someone else might just be like, I was kidding. It's fine. But Kelly makes the mistake of just being like, yeah, you. Yeah. Keep walking. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, for f- now we're going to get into... And Heather, who I normally don't mind. Oh, I mean, although this time watching it all back, I'm like, Heather is fucking annoying. But she gets involved with this whole thing of being like, she says she doesn't like it. Like, <laughs> when you do things like that, people don't like it or whatever. And again, and Kelly's trying to be like, we're talking about it's a flicking on the nose thing. Like, if you're going to do that at a pub crawl where you're all a bit drunk and I don't know, that's kind of when you do silly shenanigans. Exactly. But also as if it's not the kind of thing that Vicky would do in a heartbeat to everyone. Yeah. It's the most ridiculous thing for Vicky Gumbelson of all people to get precious about this. Yeah. They're all, I think what makes this scene so intense is that all of the women are at a 10 in their own personalities. They're really playing to their own archetypes. So like Shannon's dressed as a leprechaun screeching about having a hula kicking time. <laughs> and Heather's being very head girly and um, very self-serious, keeping everyone in line. Vicky's whooping it up. Kelly's cracking these crap jokes and Megan can't drink because she's pregnant <laughs> Tamara is like oh, like peak like trying to start drama so it's like a recipe for disaster and then Kelly decides for some reason to make it about Heather being Jewish <laughs> again <laughs> talk about just handing someone the bait like there's no argument and Kelly for some reason brings your people into yeah. it <laughs> And it's just one of those things where, again, it's like, she doesn't say anything. It's a stupid thing to say to basically be like, you should find this funny. Aren't your people famously Mm -hmm. comedians or whatever? But of course, it's just like complete fodder for Heather to be like, now it's about me being Jewish. Yeah. And for it to be like, well, now Kelly's a racist. Where, you know what? I'd be more affronted by what Kelly said if she actually had had a point. She didn't even get to her point. She's too drunk to even know what she's saying. But also you can see Tamara's just hovering, just like waiting for the opportunity. Tamara's clearly had this informa- this thing of being like, well, I didn't even tell her that you were looking into her ownership of her hat. She's clearly had it for ages and she's just yeah. waiting for the opportunity to say it. And the second Kelly went, the second Vicky went, I don't like her flicking my nose. She was like, this is it. Yeah. So it's all about like prompting an argument over this thing where, and again, it's like Kelly then goes to an 100 by it being about you're lying because I specifically didn't look into it. Someone I knew did. But it's, do you know what I mean? It's like all of these arguments, there's not an actual argument happening. It's like Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella, which is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Almost mm-hmm entirely the plot hinged on miscommunication so for instance there was a moment in the show where cinderella turned up to the ball and the prince didn't recognize her and therefore was like looking over her shoulder for cinderella to turn up and for some reason at no point was she like it's me Mm -hmm. it was like such a weird miscommunication so she had to then be like oh he doesn't like me and i was like (laughs) 
That is the stupidest miscommunication for an entire show to hinge on. Right. Like not recognizing the person that you're supposed to be completely in love with when they're standing in front of you and looking over their shoulder and being like, I'm waiting for someone else to arrive. Mm-hmm. And that person not being like, me. <laughs> and I feel like this is a similar thing where it's like they're grasping at threads, but there's no fleshed out content. Yeah, there's no meat to the conversation. But I think it's because at this point, they're all such seasoned players and they really have a good understanding of what their archetype is. And Kelly just happens to be quite good casting that they will reliably get to this end point regardless, which is a big blow up argument. So it's sort of forgiven. Well, so this thing, so Kelly is like a wonderer daughter doesn't talk to her anymore. And Shannon, of course, goes over. I wonder whether they're such seasoned pros. I wanted to know what you thought about this. Mm-hmm. They go into a department store and the like meatiest bit of the fight happens off camera. Mm-hmm. But their mics are still on. Mm-hmm. So Shannon goes to Tamara and tells her and then we just like hear it. And then we sort of catch the tail end in the bus. Do you think that they're such seasoned pros that Shannon purposefully told Tamara whilst they were off camera, knowing that it's it's more exciting for the show mm. when those things happen and appear to be caught as mo- but also where you don't see the things, so you're left to like fill in. It's like a horror movie, like it's scarier what you don't see. Yeah. Like what the imagination falls in. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, especially because Tamara like pushes her and it just feels very the show to have that moment happen as like caught as like a hot mic moment Mm -hmm. and then all that bit when they're like when shannon's like where's tamra and one of the cameramen are producers like oh she's in the bus and she goes in tamra talking about looking like a horror movie (laughs) it is the weirdest shot that thing of her at the back of the bus her eyes look so weird they're so glazed over she's like reflecting the lights they're so glazed and they're like weirdly blue and she has the strangest face on and she's like hyperventilating and she looks like a weird broken porcelain doll from a film she doesn't look like her Mm -hmm. at all it's terrifying that shot it's like proper horror movie stuff i know and on the one i feel like a a bitch for being like her face is perfectly framed for the camera and i feel like it's so it's performative. So, do you, so you do think it is performative? Okay. Yes. Because then I'm like, maybe I'm just not giving Tamara enough slack because I think she's constantly thinking about achieving the greater end no. of the show. And they're all really drunk. And I just, yeah, I think it's a show moment. Yeah. And then that amazing bit when Heather comes out and it's like, I have never oh. been asked to leave a store in my life. And she's like, they're getting on the bus and like Tamara's still having a breakdown. And she's like, here's what happens. I'm in the bathroom. And someone says, is there an American lady in here? <laughs> you also missed out. She like back, she goes, <laughs> she goes, she goes, it was like, bang, bang, bang. Is there an American oh, yeah. lady in here? <gasps> and then she like supplies her own gasp. She is so like, Kelly's right. Heather is not funny, but I will say Heather is fucking hilarious on this trip. She's at her unintentional funniest when she's this, very she has funny. this like, she's this uptight stick in the mud who's disgusted by these vile, vulgar displays. And there's so much sanctimoniousness from Heather on this trip. And just the image of Heather getting chucked out of a department store and the look on her face is so funny to me. I'm more pissed that the camera didn't catch that than the tussle between Kelly and Tamara, quite frankly. Um, Bang, bang, bang! (laughs) Is there an American lady? And just like that, and just like that, Kelly's back to square one with these ladies and she's completely on the outs again. And we end that first episode in Ireland with this customary ending that we always get on housewives trips where the one housewife who's on the outs threatens to go home early. Yeah. 
And then she decides not to. <laughs> I love when Kelly's telling Megan what happened and she's trying so hard to frame it as like, can you believe what they did to me? But she yeah. has to include the bit where she said, no wonder her daughter doesn't speak to her anymore. And Megan's just like, oh, like her face goes so funny. I think we've all done that as well. It's almost like the opposite of Macy's spicy editing thing where like you're retelling something where you kind of know deep down you're in the wrong or you said something that was below the belt and you're really fluffing everything else and then you really glide over the really nasty <laughs> bit. Because you know. <laughs> and then all I said, and then I was like, no one loves you and you're going to die alone. But, and then, and she was really pissed. But like, like, because I was angry. I, I was, because I was angry. I was out of concern. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ellie, I have a question for you. Yes. What? Are you an O'Toole? Oh my God. It's so painful. <laughs> section. Are you an O'Toole? <laughs> Are you an O'Toole? Um. Are you an O'Toole? <laughs> Hi, I'm pregnant. Are you an O'Toole? <laughs> it's very good comedy though. Basically, the context is Megan decides not to go on this pub crawl because she's pregnant and she can't drink. So she goes to see this genealogist because her family have roots in wherever they are in Ireland. Is it terrible that on these shows, they're like, they're always finding out about their genealogy and they're always really moved about it or like moved about like their connection to a heritage. I just don't think if I found out I was like a quarter Scottish, I would go to Scotland and be really moved. I'd be like, I have no experience of this place except the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yeah, I do think it's our privilege as as Europeans, though. I think it is a very American thing to mm. really... Because they also tend to... Sorry, huge sweeping statements I'm making here. But it will be like, it's not just I have Irish ancestry, but it's like, I'm Irish. Yeah. Or it's like the Italian... You know, like the Jersey girls. It's like, I'm 100% Italian. <laughs> but they can't speak the language, you yeah. know? It, it just means more to them, you know? Sorry, as you were. So yeah, he bas- he says to her, you know, there's so many O'Tools that if you were to go down to the local high street and tap someone on the shoulder, there's a good chance they could be an O'Toole. So she does exactly that. <laughs> Which Megan takes it very literally and decides to go down to the local high street and tap people on the shoulder and go, are you an O'Toole? It's very good flop comedy. It's It's like a naturally... Alex McCord moment here where everything comes together. We get the goofy music. We get Megan and Kelly. Yeah. They're dressed like a couple of lunatics. They're in this sleepy Irish village and Kelly's in a beret and furry gilet and Megan's dressed like fucking Clint Eastwood or something. And we get these sumptuous long shots from them just like stood in the middle of a ring road by themselves (laughs) or them like milling aimlessly about outside a boots or something. Going up to people being like, are you from Greystones? No. no. You're not all? No. You from Greystones? But they find one. Well, that, all the way through, I was like, what is Megan's end goal here? If she were actually to find someone with the last name of O'Toole, you just go, oh, okay. To take cool. a picture. Um, which is basically That's what it. happens. Oh, and cool. I guess it's what you were saying. There's this inherent contrast between the Americans being really excited about this discovery and the Irish people being like, cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Great. So lovely. 
And meanwhile, the other women go and milk some cows. Now, this scene has a, a couple of comedic contrasts for me here, where Vicky gives us some great physical comedy from the get-go, as she always does, where she manages to somehow get her hand stuck in the handle of the boot of the minivan. Yeah, the first time I watched this, I thought she was entirely making it up because I still can't really work out how her hand is stuck. It feels like it feels like an opportunity for her to just be like, oh, oh, like oh, the- my hand's stuck. And she's just like holding well, the Well, I think it is. Re- that shit annoys me. I think there's like, <laughs> a, there's a healthy dose of that. It's like the same thing later on where she's on the bike and she's like, whoa, Oh whoa, my God, whoa. I and hate like, that bit too. <laughs> a good amount of it. That person drives me mad. <laughs> but she's so just in her essence, is just very physically funny. She has, all, it's like all the Vickyism. She's like, oh, my, oh, my arm's got, oh, no, oh, no, oh, I'm stuck. Oh, ow, 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 help, help, oh. And she's probably like peed herself a bit. Like, it's like, it's put on just enough, oh. but she's funny. She kind of does have that Ramona-like quality where they can go from crying about not having a man to touch them and hold them and then just having this innately very clownish quality to them in a very physical yeah. sense where Vicky's like a sad clown and that for me is what makes her and Ramona one of the greats um but this is contrasted with one of the real comedic lows on Orange County as soon as this farmer is like okay ladies we're gonna have you help us milk the cows <sighs> I knew it would go immediately to Tamara being like, ah, oh my God, it just peed on me. Oh, is that its butt? Ah! <laughs> Tamara's a great housewife, but she's just not funny. Comedy just isn't her thing. And that's fine. It's okay. Whatever. But it's just that kind of like Melissa Gorger, Kyle Richard-esque yep. thing of it's the obvious route and it's absolutely annoying it's disappointing am i wrong no you're totally right you're completely right i found that whole scene incredibly what else happens very little vicky gets her breasts out via facetime that kind of wins shannon over fun shannon's out and then is it that night that they have the dinner it's not so that night is pretty uneventful and then that day they will split up again and kelly goes cycling with some of the women and one of them is heather and heather has this little chanel crossbody flask that she's filled with fireball yeah and they go out for a picnic and she keeps trying to like offer Kelly this fireball. It begins this up. weird thing that it's like, yeah, that people keep offering Kelly alcohol. Planted the seed that Kelly's not drinking. Yeah, but it, exactly. So that like begins this theme that reflects very badly on the women where that evening Kelly's decided she's not drinking and Shannon has this very bizarre moment. And I go back and forward about it because when I watched it, I obviously thought unequivocally that Sharon... Sharon... <laughs> <laughs> that Shannon was caught out doing a bad thing. And then sometimes when Shannon talks right. about it, I do believe her. I don't know. I Come go back on. and forth. Are you I know. serious? No. Like, I know at the reunion, she's like, she says she was just trying to get the party started. But if you get the party started, you sit at the table in front of everyone being like, woohoo, let's get the party started. Let's get the shots in. What you don't do is slither up to the waiter in the most conspicuous way possible, being like, Okay, so the drinks that I ordered, can you just make them like double, no, triples, triple, no, especially Kelly's, like put, put lots in Kelly's, okay? Put them in your purse, 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 just put them, put them in your purse. <laughs> yeah. It's so damning. It's so bad. incriminating and so funny. And it is also just so funny that Kelly keeps saying like, I'm not drinking and she's like, okay, so we'll get three double shots so, of tequila. I suggest tequila. Hmm. <laughs> 
for the table. Hmm. <laughs> it's so bad. But why do that? And then all the stuff that happens is like off camera. Right. But then Heather's very ready to film it all. I do think... But like, she doesn't film that much. But that's what's weird, I find, is that they have that dinner, they all go to bed, and then what happens? They Vicky Well, it brings... then has this ominous voiceover from the producer being like, what okay, happened? lady, so what happens? Then it opens with Megan being like, um, so Kelly... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we're like, not you! <laughs> and I think this is the other thing, kind of what you were saying, where I think... Actually, looking at the footage that Heather's filmed, Kelly's not doing anything that bad. She's just basically stood there crying in a hallway going, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Yeah. And then it's the rest of them being like, and Kelly was screaming and she was disgusting. And it's like, well, we don't really see that. But also, this is what I was saying earlier about, like, it's all Vicky because Vicky's the one who continues the evening and makes Kelly a part of that continuation, having told Kelly that they were going to try and get her drunk and ambush her. So why would you then try and get her to, like, continue? Kelly goes to bed and Vicky gets Tamara and Heather and Shannon, like, downstairs to the bar and then decides to tell them things that Kelly has said. That's so stupid. So stupid. (laughs) Because she clearly gets swept up in, like, being back on good terms with them zero strategy yeah she is we've all been there it's like you're so giddy to be like back with the cool kids again (laughs) and they will just say and do anything completely no integrity whatsoever to it it's such a faustian bargain so it like completely backfired it's like turning everyone against kelly and starting this early also two things first of all megan there with her like eye gels on ready for the flight really cracks me up which is like what's happening Uh, but also, like, imagine, you know, that early morning, that thing where you get up and it's still dark and you have to get your so play. I feel so it. sick. The idea of having yeah. that level of argument and being drunk at that time in the morning on your way to an airport. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, my God. So uh. we then get them all getting into the van and we're back to that same thing as the first night where Kelly does keep sinking to a really low level and she's just like a, a like on fire like she's just like spitballing terrible things but they're all encouraging the spitballing mm-hmm. they're pushing it i mean to the point that after she reveals that vicky said that david beats shannon <laughs> which is just obviously such a huge backfire for vicky of being like if you're gonna turn this on me it's so interesting mm-hmm. that tamra it's like, that's more than enough for this to be a really explosive scene for the show. Mm-hmm. And it's more than enough for Tamara to be cross with Vicky again. Mm-hmm. To do like Heather does and just be like, you don't say that. Tamara just like mm-hmm. shimmies on down the bus and is like, what did she say about me? What did she say about... Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like this whole like Eddie being gay rumour. I Look, I think Vicky does a lot of shit and I think she... She hammers in on it more the next season. But I actually think she has just said to Kelly, there's a rumour that like people, there's like a rumour that Eddie's gay. It doesn't sound like she's actively Mm -hmm. been like, they have a bad marriage, he cheats on her. And everyone thinks he's gay. Because Kelly goes back and says, oh, he didn't say that he cheated and things like that. But Tamara's so desperate for something to make it back about like her and Vicky's 
friendship. And I do feel mm. like this is such a big thing of Tamra needing the storyline to be about her and her betrayal and her... Because also, I don't think she cares that much about a rumour that Eddie's gay. And it turns... it That bit when she goes like, fuck you! In her face yeah. is so performative. Where Shannon's reaction is so authentic when she's like crying. It's feel, You can honestly feel Shannon's world crumbling around her. Just the terror that her tenuous family life is going to just break apart all over again she's just like just this harried woman who just can't do this all over again and you're right there's something very in the moment about Tamra which I would argue actually isn't good strategy on her part because one thing we've said that Shannon has always been very good at is her and Vicky have this little dance where they'll fight make up fight make up and they are the glue that holds the show together Tamra and Vicky you mean yeah who did I say Shannon sorry Tamra and Vicky And Tamara could have ridden Shannon's hurt and pain and had a big bombastic scene, which would have looked great. We could have put it in the trailer, but then ultimately the dust could have settled and then she could have Mm. carried on filming with Vicky. Unfortunately, what happens is something happens where she then has to, her reaction almost has to be as big and her hurt has to be as big as Shannon's and the betrayal has to be as big. That then we get this weird situation in season 12 where there's this complete standoff where... Vicky is trying to ice out Shannon and Tamra and Tamra and Shannon are trying to ice out Vicky mm. and every, it just stops in its tracks. It's strange because Tamra and Vicky have always been good at that, at keeping the wheels in motion. So it just feels very unlike Tamra to do that. One thing as well that I can also think of why she would have slithered up to Kelly and been like, has she said anything about me? Is because in the Diamonds and Rosé book, I remember Tamara said that she knew that it's so stupid that Vicky met up with Brooks and Gray and Grade with Gretchen and Slade and like every other former housewife who hates Tamara in a Starbucks and they concocted this stupid plan to like get a video of some guy wearing a cut fitness baseball hat wanking and then send it to a man to make it seem like it's Eddie and therefore Eddie's gay. And so Tamara knew that that was going to happen. So she just, maybe there was that thing of like, oh shit, I need this to come out because like we're getting to the end of the season now and I kind of want to like have this moment. Right, Um, yeah. I can imagine Vicky would do something like that because isn't there a talking head where she basically admits to it where she's like, I wanted to hurt them. I wanted to hurt them for not being my friends anymore. That was a terrible Vicky. <laughs> it was but. terrible. But also, it's, it's very Trump, your Vicky. I want to do it again. Yeah. That was not Trump. That was, I want to do it again. Um, yeah, no, no. I, <laughs> that was like Trump had a stroke. Um, but yeah, the, um, but it's a bit like her saying, like, I wanted a casserole. She does it. Yeah. 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 There's this childlike quality where I'm going to hit this kid. Why did you hit the kid? Because they took my favorite toy. There's something very immediate. Like I want to hurt physically as much as I'm hurting emotionally about Vicky. And then you have also like the worst side of Heather, which is always there in these things of that thing of being, it's, it is really bad. The bit when she's like, I feel bad for her kid. Yeah. Whilst I find it very funny, all the moments where when she'll be like, shut up. And Kelly's like, you shut up. And then she's like, (laughs) I won't. You shut up. They're like, you shut up. And it's just like, oh my God. What's the amazing thing Kelly says? Heather's the puppet and everyone yeah. else okay. is the master. <laughs> A classic malapropism there. Love it. So but that's the thing. That's the pull of Kelly. Like you can't get out of that whirlpool, if you will, of being, of like someone as haughty as Heather being pulled to that level of like, no, you shut up. No, you shut up. No, I don't want it. You shut up. You're trash. <laughs> 
but I don't care because you're trash. And then the thing is, I think Heather would kind of like gets away with being okay. And weirdly, she's hoisted by her own petard that the bit when she goes over to Megan and she's like, I'm sorry, your beautiful trip was ruined by this trash. And <laughs> Megan's like, trash. it's just so mean. And she's like, she is mean. And she's like holding her face and she's like, yes, she is mean. It's, she just misunderstands. And it really reminds me of years ago, I'm going to be careful not to say names in this, but I was in a show and basically someone in it was behaving very badly and they got into a fight with someone and everyone had been finding this person very difficult and but but not saying anything. And they got into a fight with someone where we were all very much on the other person's, like shared their frustration, but there was mm-hmm. a sense of we're nearly at the end, don't blow your top. And someone basically was like, guys, and then looked at the person who's he shared the frustration with and was like, just don't let it get to you or whatever. And the person that was being a knob went, thank you. And it was that thing of being like, no, <laughs> like yeah. we're not on your side. <laughs> like the We're talking about you. <laughs> and I feel like it's that thing where it's like Heather misunderstands and goes so saccharine. It's like a Disney villain. It's like that overwhelming thing of being like, shh, 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 shh. Exactly, it's like, like the evil Mother queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Megan's like, oh. <laughs> and it's just this cold, dead hand that just rests there. I've never had such a visceral bodily reaction as I have watching that scene. It's like, you can feel it. It's like you have like a dead, wet fish stuck <laughs> to your face and you're trying to like flick it off and it just won't get off. It's very fitting that basically one of the last episodes of Heather's run on the show is her getting called out in real time via the confessionals from the other cast members of her bag of tricks. And I agree with Megan. Like, I think Heather kind of is the most egregious player in this whole saga. And then when we get Heather being like, I think Kelly's having a psychotic break. I'm really worried about her. And then we have Vicky saying, that's what she always does. She always gaslights people. It's very... It's like a Margaret Josephs-esque thing. I can't remember if I said this when we were talking about Alexis, where she's technically in the right, but she's in the right because she's picking a fight with the weakest, Mm. most obviously loosest Mm. canon in the group. It's like a lazy fight. Yeah. And I'm always of the opinion on these shows, the most boring reaction is sanctimoniousness. That's it, you're right. It's like Heather never gets into a fight with like a Tamara or a Vicky or someone where she has to actually head on, go head like toe to toe with someone. Mm -hmm. Pointing out someone who's having like a highly volatile emotional reaction and being like, ooh, wow, you're so angry. Ah, isn't going head to head with someone. One thing, you know, you have to, as much as I I don't particularly like Vicky Gumbelson, but you have to give credit to Tamara and Vicky that like they're willing to be those very ugly versions of themselves and let go and just scream in each other's faces or whatever, Mm -hmm. where there is a, a, a sanctimonious thing of, and something a little bit cruel about, I mean, definitely you feel it when Shannon's having what I do think is a kind of breakdown, but someone just being like, I think we need to call an ambulance. I think she might be having a breakdown is not, there's no care in that. There's no like genuine concern. There's almost an enjoyment of their loss of control. And it's going like, I still have control of myself and you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one wants to fight with that person. It's like the grown-up version of being, ooh, stressy. It's, it's so exactly under the guise of concern trolling. It's horrible. It's so yucky. Yuck, yuck, yuck. So that was Ireland. So how have you found... So you're now like... I'm bored. I'm on the Lydia season yeah. and 
Lydia mm. just comes in and is on the wrong side of every argument and is just really annoying and weirdly very like uptight Christian in the most unfun way. It's so strange. And Shannon makes me sad because I've just watched the bit when Lydia says about her squeezing her leg. And Shannon reminds me of when you've got into a weird did you ever at school get into like a weird place where you're like accused of something or you're like, or someone doesn't like you and you just don't know how to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Shannon always automatically just like gets very emotional and someone like Lydia is like, okay, I don't, this emotion is making me uncomfortable. I yeah. feel for Shannon because even though she's really flawed and she's a bit all over the place, my instinct, even though I'm not, I'm not hugely emotional as a person, but if I let myself have my like real instinct in something it probably is to get very upset and I have a lot of friends in my life who find that kind of emotion quite uncomfortable I think and who in those moments Mm -hmm. are a bit like ah okay and I really recognize that in Shannon where there's so much going on in her life which is like she just can't keep a lid on this bubbling over of hurt and upset and anger and yes it is a bit crazy but Lydia's sort of doing the thing Heather does of just being like, wow, okay, well, you're a bit crazy. So I don't think yeah. we're going to get on. And that's not fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, it's, it just makes it worse. And it makes me really sad. And that bit when she's like, okay, we're done. I'm just yeah. like, oh my God, my worst nightmare would be to be upset and be faced with someone going, okay, well, you're getting really upset. So I'm going to leave. Well, you're just like, oh. I watched it in real time and then I've never watched it since. But isn't it just lots of scenes of them recounting arguments where Shannon's like, Lydia, I did not say that. I said very calmly. It's like a lesser version of Chairgate with Heather where Lydia just doesn't like Shannon and Shannon just can't get so emotional each time she tries to. And also it's like ultimate, that thing of being like, what? No, I'm I'm fun, Shannon. What? You just haven't got to know me. Yes. And she's just so uncomfortable in her body. And it's just really painful to watch. And you just want to be like, just let her have a fun season. She can't catch a break. Just let her pretend to be fun, Shannon. Well, I think it's about time we wrap this up. All right. So what are we going to, because we forgot to say last time, what are we going to do next week? Should we put Orange County to bed then? I think we are risking For just now. becoming an Orange County season. Yeah. Um. So last, a couple of weeks ago, James sent me a montage about Sonia Morgan along to a monologue about a glitter ball and it was devastating. And it's really got me thinking about Real Housewives of New York coming to this end of an era kind of closure and how it will never be the same again. And I think that that requires uh, marking and mourning. So if it would be all right by you, I'd really like to just take a moment on our next episode to appreciate our favourite of the franchise as it comes to an end. It'll be a lovely, a befitting, respectful eulogy to the once glittering crown jewel of the Real Housewives franchise. And I can't wait. <laughs> I, I can I can but hope that we do it justice. I think we should both wear black. Indeed. I'll have my veil out. <laughs> exactly. I'll have some right. I'll have my nose poking through one of those netted old vintage hats <laughs> like Sonia. If you were in New York with me, we go down to the water and we'd throw some ashes. I don't know whose ashes. Exactly, some random. <laughs> we'd kill a dog. Yeah. Get it cremated. It would be what, it's what, it's what they would have wanted. wanted. Exactly. <laughs> right. All right. Well, Shall I take then, us out? Take us out. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Uh, if you like the podcast, then subscribe or you can leave us a review or just tell your friends if, if you have any left after... Um, your obsessive watching of Real Housewives. We don't. It's just us left. Um, yeah. 
And we'll we have you see you next week. Ever and ever. Bye. <gasps> Bye-bye. And it's always you and me.